Ghastly greetings, kids, and welcome to another episode. I am Pissy Miles, your resident spooky drag queen. And I am Sam Baxter, your resident spooky drag queen, spooky sister. And this is my, my spooky, spooky gay, gay family. family. You were in a rush to get through that one. I didn't think I was rushing. I really didn't. I had Red Bull earlier. Maybe I'm just like... It's, it's, oh, it's residual Red Bull. Yeah, I'm going to blame it on the caffeine. <laughs> Well, hello, Ms. Baxter. Hello. <laughs> Do you prefer to be called Ms.? I don't really have a preference. It's it's one of those things that like nobody assumes I'm a Mrs. ever, so it doesn't mm. like... I but do, you wear a wedding ring. I do wear a wedding ring, but nobody ever like calls me Mrs. my last name ever. Mm. <laughs> like, like, no one's ever tried. I have to admit, I get slightly annoyed when people say Miss, but not when they say Miss my last name, when it's just Miss, like when it's... In that it has like kind of a sexist connotation. It's not even that it's sexist, it's diminutive. Hmm. It's a little bit like... I will tell you this... Especially since it's generally speaking older people who say it. So it's like... Yeah, I mean, I get that. I will say this, when when I worked in uh, retail and customer service, I was always advised to call people Miss... Because uh, people, uh, I, I was told, and I, I shouldn't say that it's necessarily true, but I was told that people are more likely to take offense to ma'am than miss. I I understand that. And I have to admit, I'm not really crazy about being called ma'am either. <laughs> but like, at the same time, you don't have to call me anything. You can just say, excuse me, can I help you? Like, you mm. don't need to say, excuse me, miss, or excuse I, me. For that. me, it was more, like, I didn't I didn't say, hello, miss, welcome yeah, to such and such. It was more like if someone was walking out of the store and they'd right. forgotten something, trying to get their attention. Again, I feel like excuse me is perfectly reasonable. I mean, I'm sure that it is. <laughs> it is. It is kind of, I'm just going to start uh, singing songs. That I'm going to be like, hey, lady, <laughs> you, lady, <laughs> cursing at your life. <laughs> <laughs> i mean listen it's it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't thing like if you say yeah. ma'am i assume you think i'm old if you say miss i assume you think i'm a toddler so like there, there's if you, really if you say no you look rested you think you've had college yeah and you can't be like hey ms like Miz. it just doesn't work that way yeah but to be perfectly honest with you i prefer all of them over sir which is a thing i used to get when my hair was short all the time mm. it's true your hair is the longest it's been in like probably a decade at least probably at least since i was about 12 i think was the first time i cut my hair short really yeah so it's it's more than a decade then. yes it's been it's been more than a decade i'm not saying it to be okay. to be rude i'm just saying it has been longer it's been than a decade closer to two <laughs> decades it's been more than I, two technically it's still close to two <laughs> i didn't say which side of it it was on but, but it, it is, is so close, close. Yes, <laughs> how's your week been ms oh it's fantastic <laughs> Oh, I have a question before we move on. Sure. The, the, what's it called? The uh, miss, miss, mm -hmm. what are those called? Prefixes? Um, 
I can't think of the word. I've always referred to them as honorifics because it's that kind of like. Yeah, it is kind of. An it's honorific. sort of a title. What? How do you pronounce the one that's like MX? Is I have mix? no idea. I've never even heard of that one. It's it's kind of the gender neutral uh, prefix that oh. I I just don't know how to pronounce. I it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If that, anyone it, listening knows how to pronounce it, please yeah. send us a phonetic. Yeah, and we don't know how to read, so yeah. please send us the phonetic. We'll learn to read and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I've had a pretty okay week. Uh, it's been a little rough around the edges. We had <laughs> we had Friday the 13th. We had uh, all kinds of shit going down. We've had uh, pandemics <laughs> and all kinds and of Presidential things. debates. And Pre- oh, goodness. We, we all were kinds of fun shit. listening to the, the presidential, the Democratic debate earlier, and it has just put us both in <laughs> quite a mood. Yeah, I, I'm not allowed to have any more Red Bull tonight. I had to switch over to V8 Energy. <laughs> Could have had a V8. I, I am having a V8. <laughs> it's Black Cherry. Black Cherry? Yeah. Is it good? It's... <laughs> An acquired taste. So you I'll can. Be honest. We're, we're not being sponsored by V8. Clearly, especially not by Black Cherry V8. It certainly it does not taste bad. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not what I'm used to, and I think it's. I just hate change. <laughs> You're like a Republican. Um, when it comes to energy drinks. When it comes to energy drinks, have you ever had like a monster? I have had a monster. I actually. Are they good? I pref- my drink of choice before Red Bull was Rockstar. Rockstar was my shit. In Rockstar high fruit punch was like the shit. When I, I did the Rockstar iced tea. The iced tea was good. Th- I think I did the Rockstar iced tea. I think that's what I had. No, but Rockstar started giving me heart palpitations, so I had to like <laughs> quit energy drinks for a while. Isn't thirty fun? <laughs> Everyone's like, you're, the best years of your life are over thirty, and I'm like, I'm fat and everything hurts. This, yeah. <laughs> I was much better yeah. off at twenty two. I mean, I was an idiot, but I was healthy. <laughs> I I some days. I mean, I, I wasn't healthy 22. at twenty two either, but I was healthier than I am now. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a qualifier in there. That's if, if you had to pick, in in terms of like your health and body mm-hmm. between now and twenty two, what would you pick? I mean, twenty two just because it would be easier to get to healthy. You know what? That that's what I would think. And I actually, when I was twenty two, was very skinny and fit, and uh, it was not. Because I wasn't trying. <laughs> I was trying very hard. But and that's why it's funny to me. I've I've been listening to another podcast recently, and one of the questions they always ask their guests is like, what is like the ideal age for you in terms of like your body? And a lot of people said their 30s. And I was like, I was like, for me, I was like, let's go with 16. Like the younger the better. I'm like, I just want to have a metabolism again. I just want to be able to eat a donut and not die. I mean, it's one of those things that I can kind of see that point though, because I also actually, um, you know, TMI had a personal issue, like a, like a hormone issue that was happening mm-hmm. when, in my twenties that is no longer happening. So I, I mean, can kind of true. see like where you would go from that now that that's being treated. Like it's kind of a plus. So yeah, I'll I don't give know. You that. Maybe, maybe I don't I'll have any hormone issues, as far as I know. I certainly don't miss being twenty-two. No, twenty-two is terrible. As as no, far if as I could like, have the body back, I'd take it. But like, yeah, if I could be thirty-two but look like I'm twenty-two, oh, that's heaven. Mm-hmm. I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't know why we're not doing that to begin with. <laughs> All the fucking science in the world, and I have to look like I'm thirty-two. Um, 
Well, welcome, kids. Welcome to another episode of My Spooky Gay Family. We are very excited to have you. Actually, something very exciting happened in the last week. And we're going to be talking about it for the entire episode. The entire time. The entire thing. The whole time. Uh, <laughs> we went to see a new movie. Yes, we actually went to a movie theater, which is a thing that you can't do anymore. <laughs> I know, so. you can't go anymore. For those and, of you who haven't been yet, this might be your only exposure to this. And I have to say, uh, part of me wants to say, like, look at us youngins, we're just as cool and hip. But, like, during the movie, this was, was it R-rated, PG-13? What I'm was it? I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure what the rating of the movie was. I want to say it was R. I'm pretty sure it was R because I'm pretty sure at one point there's like a suggestion of nudity. I don't think there's actual nudity, but there's definitely some like su- suggested body stuff. And I, there was a ch- a family in the movie theater with us. It was R. It's an R-rated movie. Yeah. Because there is violence as well. Yeah. Um, and this family had like a baby that could not have been older than like a year, a year and a half. And the baby was crying through like the first 20 minutes of the movie. To be utterly fair, they did remove the child. After a while. After a little bit. After some time. And it's hard to get childcare. <laughs> oh, don't make me feel like I'm evil for not wanting I'm babies not trying to make at you feel horror evil. Movies. I was very upset at the presence of the infant as well. If for I, no other reason than it was, in fact, massively inappropriate for, like, this was a very scary movie. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that any, any person under the age of, like, 15 or so would be terribly happy to be there. I mean, if you, if it was, like, a 10-year-old, I'd be like, okay, they're a progressive family. Our family did worse. But, like... A in the safety of our own home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably take Zach to see this movie. I'd let him watch it, like, at the house where, you know, oh, if, I would if, take, if, if he if, needed to, like... If Jess is listening, please know that I will take your children to R-rated movies. Oh, God. Um, the movie we're going to be talking about today is still in movie theaters, so if you haven't seen it, be forewarned, there will be some spoilers. And spoilers spoil things. And spoilers spoil things, so... We are going to be talking about the brand new movie. It is called The Invisible Man. And it, I'm very excited because it was a really good movie. But be forewarned, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. We will be talking about spoilers. There are spoilers in this episode. There are spoilers <laughs> in this apartment. There's a spoiler on my car. There are spoilers <laughs> everywhere. So stop listening if you haven't seen it. Now is not the time sam um for the record if you are about to stop listening we did really like this movie and would recommend that you see it yeah you should go see it because it is very good so it's not like you're gonna be missing out on us telling you you should never have seen it and it was trash so you know continue with your lives <laughs> uh sam what did you think of the movie i loved it i loved every minute of it i thought it was great I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I think there's a lot of different elements that i enjoyed i, I liked that um the horror was very well done. Like the scares were well done. It was very smart. I actually got to see something during the course of this movie that I had never, ever seen before. Just get it out of your system. <laughs> Just do it now. Sam jumped and audibly was disturbed. <laughs> I did say fuck. You're like, oh, fuck. 
Like yes. it was, it was a, it was a real moment. I yes, had to stop I was, myself I was laughing. Frightened. We are, in fact, in the spoilery section of this. So for those of you who have seen the film, it's when she throws the paint on him in the attic. Yeah, when she, I was not expecting. That. Sam was just not <laughs> expecting it, and I was sitting next to her, and we were with. It was me, Sam, uh, your wife Sarah, yes, my husband David, and our two friends Robert and Daniel, who are uh, who, two of our very, 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 very good friends. And uh, we all went to the movies to see it, and I'm sitting next to David and Sam and. Sam's on my right and that happened and she just went oh fuck and like and like jumped a bit and I was like I started laughing because I was like I have literally never seen you in a horror movie that disturbed I was already very amped up because this is this movie is incredibly effective at building tension very good at building tension and like that kind of paranoid somebody's watching me tension is the thing that as i have previously stated on this podcast i have post-traumatic stress disorder is something that (laughs) resonates very clearly and very close to home for me so i was really amped up for most of this movie to be fair to you it is a very stressful movie in that way and i'm not saying it's bad but i'm but i do think that if if you have ptsd it's probably a pretty stressful no if you have any kind of issues regarding things like domestic abuse or like sexual violence <laughs> a number of other things like i would i would go ahead and read your content warnings before you buy tickets for this movie yeah but that said if those are things that you can watch in the context of the movie i think you'll really enjoy the movie yeah it's a good movie if you feel like you can handle it if you feel like you can't i i do need to stress that it is intense so let's what what if we uh start at the beginning here um one thing that I was thinking about when when we were talking about, you know, doing this movie is that this is far from the first iteration of of the telling of the story. No, it's been told. The Invisible Man has been times. such. A, 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 he he is a classic monster. Yep. He is a universal monster. Is it universal? It is universal. Universal. Monster. Universal classic monsters. Um, and the stories have ranged the gamut from comical to like truly, truly frightening. What, to what? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> where, he's yeah. a, where he's a like street tuppy from London. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, what do you think it is about the Invisible Man that people are keep coming back to see? I, I mean, I do think it's the paranoia aspect, which I think is... This movie was written by Lee Wannell. And well, this version, of this it, version, yeah. yes, this movie specifically. Mm-hmm. And like, as we've talked about with Insidious before, and as I'm sure we'll get to when we talk about Saw, like Lee Wannell and James Wan both, and James Wan didn't have anything to do with this one, but Lee Wannell did. I don't know where I came with him with that, but like, <laughs> <laughs> he has a particularly good track record for kind of honing in on exactly what makes something scary yeah which is why i love lee wannell movies and why i know that every single time i go see what i'm going to be scared so i don't know what the fuck i was expecting when i walked into this movie theater and i was like <laughs> i'll be fine like i past experience should have informed me that no i would not be fine at all but <laughs> but i think what he hits on is it's that paranoia it's that there's somebody watching me nobody believes me that somebody's watching me mm. because it's so outlandish like it's it's that horrible thing that's happening and nobody nobody you, sees you can't it. turn to help for anybody from anybody like you feel like you're being victimized and there's no one you can turn to for help like mm-hmm. and i feel like that's just such the core thread of this movie 
is just what do you do when someone's trying to hurt you and no one will help you? I feel like that's actually a really common thread in uh, paranormal movies as well. And in this movie, it kind of takes it more into a science fiction mm-hmm. zone. But it's kind of the same idea of like, there's this thing that is tormenting me and nobody believes me that it's real and nobody believes that it's there. And I don't know who else to turn to at this point. And and in this movie, I actually think it goes a few steps farther because there's so much quote unquote proof that the character yeah. is uh, is dead and that he's not there anymore. And, you know, you have Elizabeth Moss, who is the the lead actress. She plays uh, what's her name? Cecilia. Yes. And her boyfriend is and he's. Well, wait, are, are they married in the her and the Invisible Man? Yeah. No, Adrian. they're not married. They're just together. When they're just together. Stories, yeah. Um, she and Adrian kind of have this very crazy relationship that it it plays on the paranoia that you that you see in supernatural horror, but it also plays on the horror that you experience in and this is something I really liked about this iteration of the movie. When you are in an abusive relationship, on the outside, it never looks as bad as it is. No, most of the true abuse is always saved for you in private. Exactly. Um, and so that is something I think, and and granted, I, I've never been a, a victim of, of spousal or, or significant other abuse. So I don't know this, but it would seem like Lee Wannell kind of, like you said, honed in on the experience of feeling isolated and of feeling alone and why it's so dangerous. Yes. And on top of all of that, there's also this, this in this instance, very real threat that's ongoing mm-hmm. that, it's it's that it's that abusive boyfriend you can't get rid of. It's that, you know, that's that abusive husband you you just can't seem to get rid of. He's always right there. Yeah. And in this way, literally, physically. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the only one who can see him. And it's it's kind of a weird um commentary on trauma as well, because there's always that kind of a, that idea that when you've been through something like you carry it with you forever even Mm -hmm. if the person isn't there you can kind of continue experiencing the trauma of it without the person there to actually do anything yeah so it's kind of an interesting metaphor that way it's kind of an interesting metaphor for how like you know you never really get rid of that guy sometimes Mm. you know sometimes you have to put up with you know further economic abuse financial abuse you know ways that they can reach you without physically being near you which is very well exemplified in this movie yes um not just because of the situation with his brother and the money that he gives her and and all that but you kind of see him play out this maniacal plan completely insane that that clearly he had been concocting far before she ever left him. Yeah, like this was clearly like a contingency plan that he had in place. <laughs> like, Which is in case insane. I know. She it, ever got out. It really is a lot to to think about because it's like this guy was so nuts that Well, he's a control freak. Uh, yeah, he's a control freak. And then he builds this suit that allows him to shift optics. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it really is interesting. I, I believe, and I, obviously the science of this is never really explained that well in the movie. No, and it doesn't really have to be. I think it actually probably benefits from a lack of explanation. 
Probably. It seemed to me like what was happening is that the suit was made with all of these cameras that mm. were constantly capturing what was around it and yeah. projecting the imagery of what was around Onto it. Onto the other side, yeah. Yeah, so that it was effectively invisible. Yeah. And that, I thought, was a really fun take on the Invisible Man because it kind of ties this old story mm-hmm. into a new age and we're not doing the like it feels weird potions and shit. like frighteningly plausible considering what we can do with like miniature cameras now yeah like, <laughs> like considering there's one looking at us right now yeah, as we exactly. record this probably so, several like, yeah no works way better than like i drank this beaker full of foggy liquid and now no one can see me <laughs> or you know i got zapped by lightning or you yeah. know i got stuck in a nuclear reactor for 10 minutes like like there's so <laughs> many different ways that we have made people invisible in the movies and like this one honestly feels the most realistic yeah and i think that part of that is just because i mean even hollow man which i believe was probably the most recent iteration up until this one Mm -hmm. was still that like the scientists are concocting this potion in a lab and he takes it and blah 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 blah. and that's fine like i actually kind of like hollow man i don't think it's a terrible movie it's not awful uh but i do like this one because it it really tries something totally new yeah, and it really addresses sort of well, one of the biggest obstacles whenever you reboot anything, but let alone something mm-hmm. that is originally, you know, over 80 years old. Like, you have to account for the shift in technology somehow. And yeah. I think that by embracing technology in this one and using it as an asset, like, it was a really smart move. Like, even, like, we always say the same thing, like, when they reboot stuff. It's like, well, yeah, but now we have cell phones and now we have this. Like, everybody's yeah. got a camera. Like, he uses the cell phone to fuck with her mm-hmm. like like i loved how much they took technology and twisted it to kind of make the situation worse instead of showing you all the ways it could make it better agreed it just turned it right on its head and i thought that that was just such a smart move to do that right now and that was something i said too because it's like it it found a way to make someone feel isolated in a society where you very rarely actually are actually are or feel because like in our everyday lives i have posted several things to social media in the last hour and i am not alone by any means so it's interesting to see someone kind of end up in this situation where they are so isolated you know like i said a world where there is almost no such thing as isolation i think that was kind of part of the brilliance of, kind of, of this interpretation we're all being asked to do right now i know <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know how to isolate like, we freak out if you tell us to isolate i know no one knows what to do and and it's it really is strange because we've gotten to a point in our our day-to-day lives where being social is such an integral part that we we almost don't know how to do without it which is kind of funny since all the older generations are like, people don't talk to each other anymore. It's like, <laughs> I'm talking to 50 people right now. I'm just not in the room with them. Like, it's I know. Not, like, we're actually one of the most socially integrated generations that's ever been. It's just, you know, we're not standing in the same room as the people we're talking to. Often. And like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to do drag shows in my kitchen right now. Yeah, because no, I, I'm, no. like, I'm like, God, I'm not going to make any money. She's got a Venmo. Use it. Yes. At Pissy Miles, P-I-S-S-I-M-Y-L-E-S. If you like this podcast and you want to continue to hear it, uh, make sure that I can eat. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, if you want the same amount of pissy to love that you have currently. <laughs> I know, and there could be far less. Um, yeah, I, I do love that about this new iteration of the movie. And I also think that just on like a filmmaking, you know, level, mm-hmm. it's like the the coloration of the movie is so cool. And the I really do think Lee Wannell is a very, uh, he's a very skilled filmmaker yeah he knows exactly the the it it feels uncomfortable a lot of the time well that moment that got me that you know just tickled you pink um (laughs) no pun intended she's up there in the attic and like first of all it's me so the second she goes up the ladder and she's gonna go looking for this phone i'm like girl what the fuck are you doing are you out of your mind all new not only that it comes right after a scene where she's put like coffee grounds all over the floor to see if there are footprints and it's like like, girl what are you doing i'm gonna leave the coffee grounds that i've i'm gonna leave the little circle i've made for myself to go call his cell phone and it's like girl like we have like did you are you not doing? watch scream did you not do it like like my god but no she, she goes up there like first of all like he doesn't know where the fuck she is like you have I no know. idea where the hell he is you know he's watching you all the time it doesn't matter but like <laughs> you d- you are doing this because you know he's watching yeah you. so you go up to the attic find his cell phone which and i guess you assume you're the only person who could hear it. i mean like maybe you think he has to take a he has to take a shit so he's in the bathroom <laughs> with like it's just a floating ass over the you toilet know it right does kind of make you wonder like He's only invisible. He's not a ghost. Like, yeah. he did have to eat and shit and do things. Like He was doing that at three in the morning. Like, like Apparently. Like, <laughs> it's kind of strange to think about. What's his name? The guy who owns the house. James. James. James was just walking in in the morning. There was a floater there. He's like, I don't. <laughs> that doesn't like, look like my poop. Like, it wasn't me. And it's <laughs> way too big for either of the girl. Like, what is happening here? No, like, you have to imagine there were some questions. Meanwhile, you know, Adrian like, is shitting in the garden. Yeah. He's, like, he's, he's trying to hide his tracks. Oh, no. Yeah, I, it does kind of become complicated when it goes from being a ghost to being an invisible man. Because there are certain things you have to do as a human yeah. that you uh, don't have to do as like, a ghost. Like, you think he was ever, like, he was, like, stalking her and he was just, like, in the corner, like, shifting from foot to foot because he really had to pee. But he didn't want to go anywhere because he had a good scare planned. And he's just sitting there like... <laughs> No, I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna get her. I have to pee, though. I have to pee so bad. I shouldn't have had that second latte. I shouldn't have stopped at Starbucks on the way here. I never should have what had was that tangerine Red Bull. <laughs> See, it does make you crazy. It tangerine Red Bull makes you crazy. There is no evidence to suggest that he had a tangerine Red Bull. I would argue that that's probably exclusively what he drank. But he could have had a V8. <laughs> he could have had a V8. Uh, are you afraid of the Invisible Man? I'm afraid of the concept more than I am like the not, individual not, monster. Yeah. Not that I think you're like afraid that the Invisible Man is in the room, but do you, like does the the does the idea of the Invisible Man scare you? Yeah, no, I think that the I mean, I think it's very much the same way I feel about ghosts. It's it's kind mm-hmm. of the idea that there's something that can see me that I can't see. <laughs> well it's kind of that like maybe the, has ill will toward me <laughs> yeah it's kind of like the idea of like the predator in the dark you don't know where it is but it knows where you are and you don't know how to defend yourself yeah and like hypervigilance isn't going to help you on this one like you can have every light on in your house and you can see everything in the room you can't see them so mm. like how are you supposed to defend against that well and that's why it was so interesting watching her see the scene in the restaurant well, yeah, uh, that was why the scene with the coffee grounds was so interesting because it was 
the first time she got some kind of power back. I don't know. I like to think dropping him on his ass when she pulled those blankets up from underneath it was kind of great. Did she? Yeah, she pulled the blankets real hard and you hear him like hit the floor. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that part. I remember her pulling on the blankets and like freaking out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her pulling them out from under him. Yeah, no, she kind of pulls them real fast and you kind of hear a flump. That scene was scary. That was terrifying. It was awful. Because it's like the second she was walking with the sheet in her hand, I was like, oh, yeah, I see where this is going. Well, apparently so did he, because he, I guess he stood up and, like, just stepped to the side real soon. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the other thing is, like, this is the the one thing that I just have to question how the fuck he was there that whole time and nobody ever just, like, bumped into him randomly. I know. Like, no one ever just walked into him. And also, if he was, like, and I do believe we were supposed to, uh, we were supposed to understand that he was basically living in the attic. Yeah. How like, he was getting up and down. Yeah. How was he getting up and down? From the attic and like not really making a no one has a noiseless attic. Yeah. And especially wearing like a giant electronic suit full of cameras that all made like buzzy worry sounds when they moved. I mean, one would think that's that. It has a silent mode. (laughs) I I guess because that was the interesting part. It's like when she finds the second suit and it has all the cameras and shit on it. uh, It does make those noises yeah. and it's like i guess maybe that's only when it's off i don't know i don't know i don't i think it was just ambiance that they didn't consider would actually be uh problematic but we love this movie and none of this stuff came up when we were watching it i feel the need to point out yeah it, it wasn't distracting during the course of the movie no. it's actually something i didn't really think about much until just now so uh so there's that yeah there is that <laughs> uh i don't know if i'm a fr- I'm I'm afraid of the idea of the invisible man, kind of the same way you said, where it's like I I'm afraid of the idea of there being something there that I can't see. I actually think that ghosts scare me more simply because I feel so defenseless against them. Even if a go- even if there's like someone who is invisible, I still feel like, well, they're still human. Yeah, you can still I, hurt them. I can still hurt them. I still have some kind of defense. It would be much more difficult, but it's not yeah. so hopeless. You know, and it, there's there isn't that level of like unknown malevolence. It's like with a ghost, you don't know why. You don't even know what it can do, really. Yeah, you don't know what it can do. You don't know why it's doing it. Because in a lot of cases, I think we're you're led to believe that you actually don't have much of a relationship with this entity. Uh, whereas the Invisible Man, it's like it's very clear what yeah. is going on and and why. I do think so much of for the in the context of the movie, so much of the the scare factor depends on that sort of past intimate relationship yeah. that she has with him. Like it's that he knows everything about you. You know everything about him, but mm-hmm. you don't know and you know he's a monster, but you never know where he is. And you always know he's coming for you, but you never know when and you never know how. Like so much of the fear is based more in the human interaction than it having anything to do with him being invisible. <laughs> like, it's one of those things that if this was just a straight-up stalker movie and he wasn't invisible at all, I think it still would have been terrifying. I think the fact that she can't see him just makes it just a little bit worse. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I, I yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? 
I think no. it was. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, we just watched the video. Oh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a lot. Um, I I really liked this version of the story. Like I said, for for a lot of different reasons. Um, I thought this was probably the most creative telling of the Invisible Man since probably the original, uh, the original iteration of it. I also really liked most of the actors in this movie. I really liked the guy who played James and yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the sister. And I liked the guy who played the brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there are a couple of things about her that I I have a lot of trouble with. Is it the Scientology thing? Because that is that is that's a very okay, large one. Right. The the first is that she is a Scientologist and still defends the cult. Um the second is that she spells her name the same way that um Elizabeth Hasselbeck spells it. Mm-hmm. And that makes me crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I think Elizabeth Moss is a very talented actress, but it is very hard for me to see beyond the fact that she is a Scientologist. I mean, that's fair. I have to admit, I've kind of gotten to the point, um, at least as far as that goes, where I just kind of, I don't care anymore. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm divorcing your work from your personality and it doesn't really matter. I'm finding myself having to do that more and more often these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I will say that her... It was actually a really interesting thing because when we went to see the movie, I, th- I can't remember if it was Robert or Daniel who pointed out the fact that uh, it was kind of an interesting parallel between her personal life and this movie that she was a Scientologist and she was making this movie that was kind of... Uh, About very- escaping from the super controlling yeah thing yeah <laughs> ran your life and made you do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. And even about... Because I think that there are elements of Scientology that are directly related to sexism. Um, And the fact that she faces a lot of sexism in this movie. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think it's actually all that different from the fact that like Jamie Lee Curtis is quite famously an anti-gun activist. And, you know, Laurie Strode is not. So yeah. it's it's I've I've kind of come to terms with the the idea that it's just it's just two separate things, like I yeah. Just, and I'm sure for her it was uh, it was a job and it was know. a good movie and it was a good yeah. And she did a good job, and she did. I will say that she did do a good job. She plays she she plays being driven insane by a maniac really well. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's kind of become her niche, unfortunately. Yeah, no, there's a lot of Handmaid's Tale parallels here, so it's not... <laughs> do you watch Handmaid's Tale? I do not, because I don't need another panic attack <laughs> a day. I it's don't need true. that in my life. David David watches Handmaid's Tale, and I have not watched it, because I'm like, it just seems so stressful. It never seems like there's anything particularly, like, entertaining about it. It just seems very, like, well everything's hopeless there's this whole subgenre of entertainment that i just refer to as misery porn Mm. and it's really just you don't go in expecting to like enjoy it you just you just go in expecting to come out of it feeling like battered (laughs) and i feel like handmaid's tale definitely falls into that (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of how it seems to me. But again, I haven't watched it, so I don't want to like, I don't yeah. want to project my own my own issues onto no. it. I mean, this one came close, all but for the ending. Like, I yeah. would I would have said like this could have this could have quite easily fallen into that trap, but it did not. It could have, but there was always the hope that she was going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Even even when it felt pretty hopeless, and yeah. I think that that really started. In the scene in the restaurant. Yes. And oh my God, the scene in the restaurant. Did not see that coming <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I jumped at that one thing, but every single person in our row gasped. <laughs> I know. Like I heard David go, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like they're having this conversation and things are kind of like working themselves out. And then all of a sudden the sister's a, face changes. Floating knife. And it, the the camera focuses, like turns back to Elizabeth Moss and she's like, what? And there's just a knife like floating. And yeah. then it's just like, whoosh, yeah. it's done. And I kind of had a feeling that the sister was going to die yeah. just because of the role she played. Yeah, you take in out the support system. Yeah, but I did not expect it to be like that. No. That was very dramatic. No, of course, when it's mirrored later, it's extremely satisfying. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just personally found that. It found was that. very satisfying. And you know what's funny? I was talking to someone, a, a close friend of mine who saw the movie after us, and she said that she wanted the end to go on longer. Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed in how quickly it was over. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, like, one thing I did like about this movie is it's a it's a surprisingly violent movie, mm. but one thing it doesn't ever do is kind of like prolong or glorify the violence. Like it never takes, it's never taking its time with it. Like even in the sequence where he's like kicking the shit out of her in the house. Yeah. Like it's all very fast. Like it's never like. It's never the pull the knife and then there's a 10 second long shot of him walking toward her with it. Like it's mm. it, we, we don't really get that. It's once there was action, it was oh, it was like that. It was but it I think happen really I think quickly. that's part of what's important about the kind of unseen specter situation is yeah. that the element of surprise is what makes it scary. It's not yeah. no one being there, quote unquote, holding mm-hmm. the knife. It's like it's the idea that you don't know where the attack is coming from. So right. if the attack is prolonged. It's almost not effective. Yeah, because like if he had like taken his time slashing the sister's throat in the restaurant, like I feel like a couple more people would have noticed that the knife was floating. Yeah. You know, when he shoved it in her hand, it would have been less convincing. <laughs> so, yeah, like, agreed. And it it really was an effective moment in the movie. I really enjoyed that. I, I also really enjoyed the scene where you really first see it all of that action come to fruition mm-hmm. with Sydney. Yeah. When they're in the bedroom and he hits Sydney. Uh, and I half expected as she was being dragged out for Elizabeth Moss to be like, Sydney! Oh, God. Sydney! <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. I just wasn't <laughs> sure when it would be. It was, I was like, oh, no, Sydney. No, like, I I remember thinking, like, even then, like, it was just a punch, but it was just, like, it was, I mean, just a punch, but, like. Just a punch. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, I mean, like, we we watched Friday the 13th last week. Like, I know. Like, I watched, like, very violent films, and, like, this one punch, it was just like, oh, bitch, you did not. Like, I know. Well, again, because it was so unexpected. Yeah, you had it came no out idea it was coming. nowhere. 
And then it was literally nowhere, which is kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. And also that actress sold that shit. She was very good. The girl like who that would Sydney. not have worked. <laughs> like, I know. And, and it was very effective. And it was like, it, it was the first time you watch something like that and you understand why this person believes it happened. Because yeah. it's like, it was the most convincing, like, oh, uh, what's her name? Cecilia, Cece, or, yeah. or whatever they call her, is uh reaching out toward her, mm-hmm. and then she gets hit, and it's yeah. like, as far as they know, no one else is in the room, so yeah, of course so she's going of course to think, they're gonna think, yeah, that she hit her, and that was why it was so, it was so amazing, it was so well done. I think I should say is it? It was so well done the way it was written and the way it was. Uh, filmed because it was it's the first time you watch an Invisible Man movie and you're like oh this is terribly understandable yeah like it's not it's not willful suspension of disbelief on the part of the characters like it's it's you're watching them react to something that in the moment seems perfectly reasonable and you're not sitting there going like what do you mean like of course mm-hmm. it wasn't that like so many times when you have these sort of manipulation subplots where like people are trying to get people to side against somebody or they're trying to turn people against someone like the ploys are so laughably obvious that you mm-hmm. sit there and go like well why the fuck would anyone believe that this person would do that it doesn't make any sense but in this movie it worked perfectly like yeah. it all made sense it all tied up nice to make this perfect storm of her just losing everybody that she depended on which is exactly what abusers do and what had to happen yeah do you think because you and i have both said now we we both really enjoyed this movie Mm -hmm. do you think there was anything that could have been improved upon i think that there's probably again that last sequence probably could have been a bit longer i would have enjoyed Mm. it a bit longer I see why they didn't do it, and I think it worked okay for not having done it. Yeah. That being said, like, I would have liked just <laughs> Adrian to just get three or four seconds of watching him realize what's happening. Yeah, I think like, it would have been... Like, just three or four more seconds of him realizing that he's fucked. I think it would have been interesting for him to have ended up in a situation where he felt isolated and victimized before his demise. Yeah. I will say that. I also think... The only other time I had a little moment of like this, something is not quite right here, was in the jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's in that cell by her, quote unquote, yeah. by herself, and obviously Adrian is in there with her. Yeah. Uh, she gets in the shower, obviously, so she can see when he enters the shower. Right. Um, and she stabs herself in the arm. Mm-hmm. Pretty violently. Yeah. But after that, it doesn't really ever seem to be an issue again. Yeah. No, it kind of did just kind of go away. And that I thought was kind of a a cop out in what what it, to a certain extent I, for what is for because Lee Wannell is normally such a, a he's so on top of it. I was surprised to see something that large kind of get flubbed. Yeah, no, I think you're just kind of supposed to assume that there's just so much other stuff going on that it kind of doesn't, it doesn't reach the surface of her radar again, really. Mm. 
But yeah, no, I would have liked to see her be a bit more hobbled by that. I I agree with that. Especially because then she runs out into the hallway and you've got the fucking Keystone cops shooting at each other. (laughs) Well, and then on top of it, it's like she stabs him with that pen several times. Yes, she does. And he is kind of unfazed by it. More or less, yeah. No, I th- th- there were a couple of times when, especially uh, actually that that scene in the hallway when he's like disarming cops and making themselves shoot them like shoot themselves in the knee and crap. Where I'm like, yeah. okay, he's invisible. He's not fucking Superman. I like, know. Like unless you're telling me that there's like you know you know unless this is like Spider Man suit with a bunch of fucking <laughs> cameras in it. Like I don't know how he's pulling this off. Like. Which I think is the point in the opening sequence of having him punch through the car window is to show you how strong he is. How strong he is and also how willing he is to work through injury. Yeah, no. So it's set up, but there were still like there there were like two or three moments where I'm like, okay, he's Bruce Lee. Like, I don't. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, that was probably my biggest issue. Although it's like I said, I do think his crazy takes over and, yeah. b- because like you said in the beginning when he punches through the glass in the car it's like i feel like when he goes into a rage it's like a blind rage yeah no, and he just so loses it. he just will do everything he can to accomplish his goal also if we can take a minute if you ever got into my car and just told me to drive <laughs> i would not sit there for 10 minutes going what's going like, on what's going on well why and- won't you ex- why don't you talk to me just tell me what's happening. And then Adrian runs yeah, out seriously. of the fucking woods like a like a coyote. Like a fucking fast zombie. I know. Hits the car yeah. and he's banging on the car trying to get in. And she's like, what's going on? It's like, girl, it's put like, the car in you drive. not figure this out yet? Get fucking going. <laughs> what are we waiting on? Like, for real. Did, did you have a favorite scare in the movie? Yes, it was the one that got me. The one that got you. I mean, it's it, it's it's kind of a toss up between that and the restaurant, to be totally honest, because the, the mm. restaurant scene was just so perfect. But like, yeah, I'll agree with that. It was <laughs> the one in the attic was just so awful because even after she throws the paint, like it's still terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah, like being able to see him doesn't actually make it better in some ways makes it worse because it's one of those things that like you never really realize how because what got me is how close he was yeah and it's like he is like they are like nose to nose when she throws that fucking paint and she did not know it and that scared the ever-living crap out of i know so like that one i think no holds barred i'm gonna say it's that one because it 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 drove the point home for me in a way that i don't think any of the other ones did i will say that one was very effective Uh, That was probably one of my top two. I would say the other one was actually him running out of the woods in that beginning sequence. Yeah, that was terrible. Because it was, again, (laughs) unexpected. And it has that, like, cheetah predator, like, I'm coming. And it's, like, noiseless. It's so, it's so, because they're in the car, you can't hear what's going on outside. So it's, like, Lee Wannell is just very good at achieving those, like, camera turns something's happening yeah and it's that you really don't have time to register what's happening before he hits the car like you have a second where he's you see him and you go oh shit and then he's there exactly like and it's it's so different from someone like michael myers or jason Voorhees, who you know is going to walk slowly (laughs) up to me it's it's like you know what would be absolutely terrifying seeing jason Voorhees run like like that would be absolutely terrifying didn't they do that in the new one they did but i object to it because it, it looked dumb the way they did it because, like, this is the thing. If you saw, like, if you were just standing at the edge of the lake 
and you just turned and you saw a six foot four Jason Voorhees running as fast as he possibly can at you. Mm-hmm. You'd shit your pants and die before he got to you. Probably. Like having him just kind of get up to a soft trot doesn't really cut it. So it's like, <laughs> but yeah, no, like it was just, it was, oh, it was terrible. Cause it was like, I saw it went, oh shit. And then like right into the car. Yeah. That was definitely that one and the paint one were my two favorite scares in the whole movie. But the bedroom scene was good. The restaurant scene was great. Yeah. Although, you know, what was a really good moment as well was when she threw the sheet on the chair and nothing happened. And nothing was there. Yeah. And it's like you were totally expecting. Oh, yeah. And it you were ready terrible. for it. You were like, mm. <laughs> especially because like in the trailer, like there's that whole bit where she's like, there's someone in that chair. And it never and happens it never in, happened the movie. in the movie. I know. So it has to be in a deleted scene someplace. I, it must But be. like I was waiting for that scene the whole time and it never happened. I know. I was totally and, expecting like, it. I'm fine with it, honestly, because like it's not like I feel like I got gypped here. Like, no, 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 not at all. Like this is this is a movie where there are long stretches where nothing obvious is happening, but there's always something happening. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's it's all tension buildup. It's like what we talked about with Paranormal Activity. Yeah. And City. It's it's all about just getting you to the point where you can't take it anymore, and then just shoving something big and scary in your face, <laughs> which is usually you know a paint covered invisible man, <laughs> and is usually reserved for Falcon Studios. Yeah. Well, um, if you had to go there. <laughs> Do you consider The Invisible Man a horror story? I do. I think it's it's tied up in some other stuff. I think it could just as easily be a drama. Mm. But um or in this case a sci-fi movie. But um no, I think at the end of the day it always comes back to horror. It's it, it always comes back to this is a scary premise with scary shit happening and it is meant yeah. to scare you so i it's hard it's hard for me to decide if i think of it as a horror story or a th- more of like a thriller i would argue in this incarnation yeah you're probably right probably closer to a thriller like yeah. a sci-fi thriller yeah because it, it it has all the elements of horror like it has scares but it's more about it, it's more about tension you know, and it's about pursuing something. It, this one is very story driven. It's it very is. much about her her quest to prove that she's not crazy, that she hasn't done anything wrong, and that her, and to re empower herself and to re empower herself, and not only re empower herself, but to prove that her ex was so crazy that he would go to lengths unimaginable to yeah. get back at her yes. for leaving him. So. In that way, it was very much a thriller. But like you said, it, it does have some very effective scares. And he is clearly like part of his plan is to scare her into submission. Yeah. So essentially that is his whole plan. Yeah. So it is very much horror based, but it kind of toes a line in a lot of ways. And I think that's what I liked so much about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think you're right. I think it's definitely more psychological horror than not. Mm-hmm. But I do think... Like, whether you call something a thriller or you call something a horror movie, I think thrillers are horror movies. I think they just don't like to say they are. It's just a very, it's a different style. I feel like when people think of horror movies, they think of, like, 
cheap movies with bad acting. Mm-hmm. And it's like no one wants to admit that they're that. So it's yeah. like, well, what qualifies as a horror movie? Whereas I I think in actuality, horror as a genre is very creative and uh, is is necessary, is and a necessary part of our storytelling. It does occasionally have the big budget mainstream it's not even released too. Yeah, it's not that I think that's actually what horror is, but I think that that's kind of the connotation that no, people I agree. think of when they. There's when a they reason horror, horror movies don't win awards. Exactly. No matter how good they are. No matter how good they are. Unless it's Get Out. Yeah, Get Out. Get Out. <laughs> get Out yeah. won a couple, I believe. Yeah. And didn't Silence of the Lambs? Silence of the Lambs was up for one. I don't know if they actually won, though. I don't yeah, think I don't they know. did. It was so long ago. Yeah, Who it doesn't knows anymore. Really Ancient history. Um, I really liked that with this movie, we're kind of seeing the comeback of the universal monsters. Yes, and in so much better ways than the mummy. Well, <laughs> well yes. And that's the Tom Cruise mummy. Yes, not the not, Brendan no, Fraser. the Brendan Fraser mummy is a, is a national treasure. I treasure it. <laughs> it is it is one of my favorites for no other reason than having Rachel by the I am a librarian this is the only like 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 I fucking love Rachel Weisz in those movies I think they're all great in those movies yes uh, I really love that the classic monsters are kind of coming back I'm eager to see what happens next because I watched um, I started to watch the Dracula on Netflix mm-hmm. did you watch it I didn't because you told me it wasn't good it's hard because it's like the first episode is okay. Then the second episode gets better and then worse. And then the third episode is terrible. <laughs> it's very, it's a very strange roller coaster. And it's like, I really loved what they were doing in the beginning of that series, like telling the story. Mm-hmm. But I think where it went just did not work. At okay. all. And I don't want to give away any uh, spoilers because we're already talking about significant spoilers for something uh, in this episode. But I would recommend that you watch the first two episodes right. because I actually think you would like parts of it. I think it's very inventive. I thought they brought new life to an otherwise stale relationship that is Van Helsing versus Dracula. Mm. Um and that's kind of what I liked about The Invisible Man is that they're kind of breathing new life into these stories and finding ways to tell them that are different and inventive and interesting. And make them relevant again. And to Well, yeah, I mean, I did not like how they tried to make Dracula relevant to today, but that's, oh, that's a different fair. story. Um, I, I am. I would love to see a new Dracula movie. I mean, I think there's plans for it. I believe that they're trying to reboot kind of all of the old Universal monsters. So, I believe which one do you? Which one are you most excited for? I want to see the Wolfman. Mm. The Wolfman was always my favorite. So, I want to see what happens when we try to reboot the Wolfman and make him work now. I have a hard time believing that they will be able to make me as scared with a new Wolfman as they did with like the Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman. I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how they take it. Like, yeah. I would not have, I will be completely upfront. Before I knew it was a Lee Waddell movie, I had absolutely no intention of going to see The Invisible Man. Really? Because I thought it was going to be stupid. Because I never thought The Invisible Man was scary. I never now. did either, but I, I was excited for some kind of 
new path for horror at the moment because things were getting so stale. So I'm glad that we did go see it. Because I'm very it was, glad that we went to see it. Yeah. I, I haven't been that scared in a movie theater in, in a while. Agreed. When? And I hope that I hope that other filmmakers are taking note of what was so effective about that movie. I think we're in this like weird upswing in horror right now. Because like so. like I'm The Invisible Man was great. Mm-hmm. I am really looking forward to Candyman. Like I cannot even tell oh, you when the Candyman trailer dropped. I watched it like <laughs> six times. David and I just watched the original Candyman the other night. Sarah and I just watched the original Candyman last week. Did you? <laughs> yeah, because we watched the trailer and went, okay, well, now we have to watch Candyman. I know. It's so but, good. Like, <laughs> it's, it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie and it's so well done. And, and actually kind of has elements of what was in The Invisible Man. Yeah, no, there's definitely a stalker element. There's definitely sort of that isolation why doesn't anybody believe me yeah yeah no there's there's a lot of similar themes yeah it's kind of interesting i didn't think about it until just now how it's kind of paralleled in that like there's this thing nobody can see who's making me do terrible things or is posing mm-hmm. or as is making me to it do... look like i did terrible things. yeah yeah and and i'm paying the price for it uh i'm very excited to see Candyman. although kind of i on similar lines i'd really like to see someone do a like a jekyll and hyde update mm. Like, I think that could be fun. Yeah, I would like a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I actually think it would be really cool to do a Jekyll and Hyde that in some way was kind of updated to be like a like a serial killer situation. I think that's what they were trying to do with Split, sort of. Like, not exactly. Well, yeah, because it's M. Night Shyamalan. And, but that's, and also, end, that's also Hide and Seek. Like there's there's a lot of movies that have kind of taken it that way, but I don't think ever effectively. I would like to see somebody do it in a really effective way. I think it can be done. Yeah, I did. I really liked Hide and Seek. Did yeah, you? no, it's a good movie. Um, I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. I figured it out. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say that. I but I would like. Especially with Jekyll and Hyde, I kind of want them to play with the idea of it not being like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde mm-hmm. and that he like drinks a potion and blah, 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 blah. It's more yeah, the no, idea of like he's he is the unassuming, likable neighbor by day mm-hmm. and he is the monster by night that is responsible for tormenting people. Uh, I think it might be an interesting take to kind of work addiction in there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there is certainly an a, a, an argument for the for the fact that there's addiction in the original story, but I also think it's addiction more in in terms of being addicted to power and yeah, no, that's things fair. like that. We got really deep. I know. I, I don't know. I I, I ate some like happened. I ate we some like rosemary the- chicken and had some mashed potatoes, <laughs> and now all of a sudden I think I'm a fucking Rhodes Scholar. We see one fucking smart <laughs> horror movie, and all of a sudden this is like masterpiece theater in here. Like I know, Jesus like somebody make a Doctor Loomis joke. I know. It's like, my god. Uh, so good news and bad news. Oh no, we're at the end. <laughs> but I. I did think it would be fun. I don't have a game for us, but I have okay. a fun little hypothetical question. Okay. You are a renowned scientist mm-hmm. and you can fashion something that will give you any superpower you want. What is it? I always hate this question because I always get stuck on two things. I do too. 
I'm interested to see if they're the same things that I would be stuck on. I'm always stuck between like having a healing factor and having flight. Like that's always where I get stuck. One of them is the same as mine. <laughs> I mean, I feel like everybody picks flight. Yeah. Everyone wants to fly because it's cool. But I'm also afraid of heights. So I'm part like there's a part of me that's like, would I actually want that? <laughs> but then there's a part of me that's like, would I be afraid of heights if I could fly? That's fair. That's a very fair point. I don't know. I uh, There's still a part of me that like is kind of nauseated when I look down from a high place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's just like an internal function that's like you don't like this it's not for you which is why my second choice is actually not a healing thing my second choice is usually teleportation that's fair because there's always a part of me that's like how much easier would my life be if i could teleport i i I always have to leave like an hour before my shows (laughs) to get there with enough time to change i'm like imagine if i could just teleport in drag i don't even have to bring bags (laughs) with me you finish a song, you're like, yeah, I'll be right back. You like pop back home, put in some pizza rolls into the microwave, pop back, sing a song, pop back, eat, <laughs> eat the some pizza, pizza rolls. rolls. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mine. I think mine would be. I feel like you would use it mostly to troll Bob, though. Like you would just like pop up in his room in the middle of the night and then pop out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I have made it my life's work to torture and torment Robert. i i have made it my life's goal to be the the singular cause of bob's uh stress and panic (laughs) you're such a good brother i have gone to great lengths to scare the shit out of successfully and have done it yes yes i i remember one time uh bob got up in the middle of the night to go to use the bathroom and I heard him go into the bathroom. So I snuck into his room and like got into his bed and pressed myself against the wall. So I was like basically out of the way and hid under the blankets (laughs) and Bob came back and like got in bed. And then I just was like, (laughs) and he lost his mind because he he didn't get peed on. I know he told me after he was like, when I got in bed, he was like, I felt, like the depression of the mattress to know that like something wasn't right and he was you like and lucky then you didn't get punched in i know the face. i really could have done some damage <laughs> <laughs> i would have smothered you with a pillow i have i have made it my goal to like jump out and scare him tickle him terrify him i i have i have proudly tortured our brother <laughs> for years and i will continue to do it now imagine if he had an invisible suit. Oh, that would be heaven. There is a part of me that wonders if I would like being invisible. But then I think there's no good that can come from being invisible. You there know really what I mean? Isn't. Like there's really nothing you can do except get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Like I can make the argument that teleportation, helpful. Flying, fun, kind of helpful. Invisible, just evil. It's just evil. Yeah. Like seriously, like when the most benign thing you can do is steal. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I know. (laughs) All right, kids. I hope you liked this episode. And I do hope that you will go out and see uh, The Invisible Man. Granted, we are all... uh, When it is safe to do Yeah, when it is safe to go out, please go out and see this movie because it deserves to be seen. And uh, if you don't have a chance before it gets out of the theaters, you should absolutely watch it when it's uh, streaming or rentable or wherever it's going to be. 
Um, I hope you liked this episode. If you've seen the movie and we missed anything, please let us know your favorite part of the movie or if there was a topic that we uh, totally missed because it is now uh, 12 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we have had quite a day. We actually did have quite a day today. We did. We took a little trip and uh, we, I think we mentioned in Friday the 13th episode that it was filmed in New Jersey. Yeah, several times. And we took a little drive today to go see some of the sights from the movie. Yes, and we'll be putting some photos up on Instagram. So yeah, we'll be posting. We we'll be posting our photos. So check them out. They'll be on Instagram. So until next time, stay spoopy and remember. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Invisible Man, distributed by Universal Pictures 2020. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Hold up. 